Hello, my name is Neve Brannigan. If you're a regular listener, it's lovely to have you back. And if you're a first-timer, welcome. Here on the Irish Film London podcast, we bring you all the latest and greatest talent from Irish film, TV and animation. With recordings of live Q&As and interviews from our festivals and award ceremonies, as well as a host of brand new interviews, one of which I'm delighted to bring you today. Today's episode is quite special, as it's part of our St. Bridget's Day Festival. Usually for this festival, we host and attend loads of different events all around London, celebrating Irish women. But alas, this year is a little different, but we do have a lot of really special things scheduled online for you this year, so make sure to check them out. And in fairness, guys, what else are we doing? Today's guests are the fabulous trio from the all-female production company, Alfonso Films. Claire Byrne, Emma Wall and Joe Halpin chat to me about how they entered into the industry and how they found each other. We talk about the importance of telling female stories and goals and aspirations for the future. Just before we dive right in, we'd like to thank the Irish Emigrant Support Programme for their ongoing support for our work, including this podcast series. If you're out and about pounding the pavements, driving in your car, or you've just poured yourself a cup of tea, or even better, a glass of wine. I hope you enjoyed this episode and tune in to us again. Alfonso Films, welcome, welcome to the Irish Film London podcast. Thanks for coming on to chat with us today. Thanks for having us. Thanks. No problemo. So first of all, I'm going to introduce you to our listeners as the all-female filmmaking trio. Uh, we have a director, Claire Byrne. We have writer, Emma Wall. And we have producer and writer Joe Halpin. So welcome, welcome. Woo! So Claire, I'm going to start off with you. So your previous directing credits are some really successful shorts, such as Ascending Grace and Sister This, which, side note, we have on our Irish Film From Home section of our website. So for our listeners, go and check that out. So take us back to um, when you got into directing and your love for film. Cool. Um, thanks for having us. First of all, this is lovely. And mm-hmm. um, when I, I suppose, like I kind of knew I wanted to get into directing or filmmaking. I think I was calling it kind of like filmmaking at the time when I, because I did an art degree, and then at the end of that, I was like definitely starting to do these little video bits and and kind of wanted to explore that more. And then ended up doing a master's in film direction, which was a year long. And it was great and like you get to do some like student films and all that kind of stuff but then I suppose I kind of just went yeah I went to Canada for two years and ended up just working in art department and which was great as well it was just nice to be on set but then I suppose it wasn't really until I came home and like met these two that I actually started like they kind of made the decision to do it almost and like I met Emma at a one of those awful uh what are they called (laughs) when you have to meet people like a networking yeah yeah and I had known Emma before and Joe was there as well so I met I met Joe that day it was the same day wasn't it yeah and we um uh it was a it was a oh my god sorry I'm losing all my words here but it was like you basically network and the idea was to come away as a group of three like writer director producer and and go forward then for funding for a short film so um yeah so we kind of myself and Emma decided to go and work on a script that she had in her head and then we showed that to Joe and Joe came on board and then we went and just made spent and I think that was really the beginning of it for me like to just go out and start making stuff amazing that's a really cool kind of initiative do you remember was that like with a certain group or that kind of networking thing that's really yeah, great it was it was with um what are they called the f- oh my god what are they called the one in temple bar what was that called the ifi the no film. not the ifi it was um F- film base film base sorry uh, r.i.p yeah so like sadly they we don't have them anymore but they were mm. like film base were brilliant and actually do you know what i think even like film base I remember 
again like that whole thing of like making the decision to go for the directing thing rather than anything else I remember signing up and becoming a member to film base and started and kind of like moving in and out of that building and you'd meet people and like renting their equipment and and like you know there was just fabulous people and fabulous courses and stuff in film base so that mm. was something I found really really helpful after I moved home from Canada so that that initiative was I can't remember the name of it now but it was um shared between Screen Ireland and Filmbase and I think it funded like four or five shorts or something it's such a an institution that we like I know we have the IFI and stuff but if the Filmbase was just such a great hub yeah. like that for renting equipment for doing workshops holding auditions you know all that kind of stuff and and I really feel like maybe now with with kind of film in Ireland kind of booming again, hopefully we can build something like that again, because it was it was so sad when uh, when it lost its funding and stuff. Yeah, it really was a big loss because it was it was a really fabulous institution. And um, it was nice, like to have a physical space to go, because I think that's what we're kind of missing at the moment. Definitely. And tell me with Ascending Grace, uh, which is a lot of fun, and Sister This, which is beautiful, what kind of, how did they both differ in uh, in kind of stories and what kind of did you learn from uh, from directing both of those? So like they're both completely different. Like I'd say, yeah, they're just completely different and even like the approach and everything is so, so different. Like Ascending Grace is kind of, it's kind of an all-out comedy like so um and I had never done anything that was comedy based really before so like even just playing within the kind of the space of comedy and 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 holding back where my drama instinct would be to get in close and you know it's just sort of a different way of shooting and Eleanor and who shot that had like a really good sense of what works for comedy so she taught me a lot about that kind of thing as well and then also, like with Ascending Grace, um, it was shot in a in a an airplane. So like that alone was really restricting. So the actual shoot was just like mechanically like worlds apart. It was just a totally different um thing. Do you know what I mean? It was it was mad, and it was like it felt like we were in a like we were in a studio and we were planning for green screen, and it was very technical and tight and like um. So it was a great experience to kind of learn some of that stuff. And then whereas Sister This was far more fluid and like we had a lot of space and it was just like really about designing shots to inform the story and, you know, like every kind of movement and 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 uh, framing had it had a purpose within like the meaning of the film. So it was just really different, like in in the approach of how we shot it. But then I suppose like it's about strong female characters having a conversation at the end of the day so it's kind of exactly well you definitely um you definitely were able to show um a serious kind of wide variety of what you can do so uh, that's I thought that was really cool to kind of put the two films beside each other and be like oh cool that's the same person because you know the way some people just uh, some directors might just have their style and that's just it you know the way whereas it was it's really nice that you got to kind of just play and and yeah. experiment and stuff and I think that's what shorts are for like you know short films are if like what are they for if they're not to experiment and learn and do stuff that's different do you know what I mean the stakes are a little lower with shorts which is really nice so you can it's okay to like go off and do something that's completely like you know not within your usual kind of remit I think that's what shorts should be Definitely. And I just wanted to touch upon as well. I know, Claire, you also um, work in post-production. So you do editing for TV as well. I know you do a bit of editing for Operation Transformation. So does editing kind of help during the downtimes, the creative downtimes of editing or kind of working on different projects like that? Um, Or is it something you're just kind of balancing both constantly? Um, I think like it was just, it's, it's been great for loads of reasons. Like paying the bills is is the biggest one obviously it's a real kind of you know like there's always so much work going in post and 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 now like I've really appreciated it in last few months because I've done like worked on shows like I'm working on Operation Transformation right now like as you said and I've done Gogglebox recently so the fact that they're still going and still you know that that job is still there is I'm extremely um feeling like grateful and lucky to have that because yeah otherwise the downtime would be kind of 
mad, mad definitely me. and but also yeah. um operation transformation is like if I ever need to go cry or just a bit of motivation <laughs> yeah. or I don't think I can watch one episode but I've been like yeah just you do it I you know. go it's, it's just so it's great real kind of stuff isn't it my my the, the thing I enjoy about that job the most is like we get to pick whatever music we want to put in so I'm just like oh we need to make them cry okay cue like really emotive sad music or like you know that's that's kind of the fun bit and um, and it's obviously like you know it's it, it's it's reality tv so it's a world it's like a different mind frame but it's still kind of like just really nice to have an understanding of of editing and how all that stuff works you know for doing anything else definitely exactly amazing okay so joe i'm gonna move on to you and um, staying on that kind of uh, same vein you also work in uh, the production department so You've worked on loads of different projects too, um, such as The Turning. I'm going to be your little CV here. Such as The Turning, uh, This Nan's Life, which I auditioned for. Um, and then you've also worked on Songs for a While, Songs for a While I'm Away, which was about the life of the Thin Lizzy frontman Phil Linnet. And that was only released really recently. Um, I didn't get to I didn't get to the cinema to see it before the cinemas uh, got closed down again. But will we still be able to see it when? The world opens back up again hopefully or kind of where is that at the moment i hope so because it was supposed to be in it's supposed to be a few months before it was released it was ready to go and then it was stalled because of the pandemic and then it was looking like it was ready to go again and the date was set for the 26th of december so it was really weird because all the cast and crew got to go to the screenings and be like Woohoo! in the cinema and then no actual public got to see it. So it's a real shame. But I, I really hope so. I mean, it's all just so difficult to plan for because people are like, we're out, we're not, we're out, we're not, you know, so it's like, I think that the plan definitely always is for people to see it in the cinema because you can enjoy it on a big screen and it's got all the elements. It needs to be seen on a big screen first, you know what I mean? But um, that's the plan that was always the plan, but whether or not it's all just up to COVID. Really. I know exactly. Well, fingers, fingers crossed. Cause I would love to see that in the big screen. That would be super special. Yeah. Um, so tell us, tell us about how you got into production. Production. Uh, kind of, well, I didn't really plan pretty, I mean, similar to Claire, when we all came together as a little triangle um, they wanted to make that film and we didn't get the mixer. We didn't come out successfully from that. And I think we were all just like, I want to, we'll, we have to make a film. We have to just make a film. And Emma was in the writing chair and, and Claire was in the direction chair. And it's not like I was like, I'll produce it because I didn't know really what I was doing. But from from just wanting to make it and wanting to make it with them, I essentially took on that role and then learned my way through it. But really I owe everything to that moment, which I think is the same for the three of us. I mean, from that moment, I was able to define myself as something and be like, I made a film and I did this. And I think that was the same for Emma and for Claire. It was like, my role's been defined. I've made something, I'm proud of it. We made another one, we've made another one. And then it kind of, the, the, the ball started to roll then. And I was like, I'm a producer. Yes. I was able to put that on my CV and be like, yeah, I can produce. And I know how the mechanics of it work. And then from then on, it was like, oh yeah, we can produce more stuff. And we collectively, I mean, I'm not the only person. I mean, that's kind of my main role, but we all produce them together or we you know we make the films together which is uh, definitely important because it's hard to produce them and then from that then it was easier for me to get roles in bigger productions in you know I produce I production managed along with somebody else at Songs for While I'm Away and that was a massive learning curve that was like the first time I'd ever really had to put the actual um lessons in in motion and be like oh my god oh my god and it's an actual real film and blah 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 but you know you do it and then you get through it and you're like oh I can do that again and I could go bigger and yeah and in the wider sense I work in a much smaller capacity on bigger jobs but I'm always able to learn on those even if I'm not in the actual you know the main role and I'm, I'm still learning from, from the producers and the directors around me so definitely and I think with producing as well there's there's kind of only so much you could learn in a course or you know in a, in a classroom like especially with producing you know it's really kind of just get out there and do it and and come across those problems that you would never think that you would have to and get through them and look after everyone around you and you're kind of you're you're juggling um, a lot of balls but it's definitely kind of something that you just have to get stuck in and do it so yeah definitely that's kind like of where you learn moment. 
you realize that there's a lot of um, stuff that you don't want to do as a producer because there's so much, there's the financial and there's juggling every single ball and then there's the crew and basically every problem that goes wrong. So, I mean, if you're to look at it as a serious career path, it's a very serious, difficult role to do, but there's a lot of other avenues within it where you can be creative, creative producer focuses mostly on the story or, you know, if you're good with crew and managing people, there's different avenues. There's usually a couple of producers on big, big, big stuff. So, I mean, the road is open and I can kind of pick what, where I want, but I definitely need to get better at the, at the more tricky bits, like the financial stuff and the... Well, it just shows how how important everyone's role is, you know, in, in making something that like, it's really kind of, it's so important to have those people that, you know, you never would think that would be important. You'd think, oh yeah, yeah, I'll get an actor and get a camera or whatever, but it's all it's all the dot in the I's and, and crossing the T's. And Joe, do you find, because um, you write as well, so do you find sometimes that the um, producing side of things might take over um, your writing? Because I know sometimes with writing it's all kind of self-motivated because you are creating a story and you want to make something where sometimes producing something someone's telling you to do this or be there at this time or do this so it's a bit easier to kind of lean towards more of that than the kind of self-motivating of of writing big time it eats that any creativity it well no that's the wrong thing to say but it's definitely easier because you can look at a plan and be like okay i can definitely get this done whereas if you write something you're like oh, i don't know i'll just leave it i'll probably go nowhere anyway Whereas if you think, oh no, oh God, damn, I have to produce this or I have to do it. So I have to get on with it. And it's easier to take those roles because you can be a bit more confident that you can do it or I don't know, do you know what I mean? But it's a shame because, um, yeah, I, I love the creative side the most. I love the story and I love working it out and developing it. And I love ideas and that's, that's my real passion. But I mean, yeah, it does. I like anything in work environment. And where did you study? communications in dcu where i met emma actually years and years ago she was she was um a little bit below me she was not below me she was uh younger than me (laughs) (laughs) i have a question for you though neve what role did you um audition for in this man's life oh i auditioned for um the receptionist (laughs) in the hotel yeah really big role um but uh, yeah i think i had like three lines for my tape and it was like receptionist made it in though in the end so I wouldn't take that as a slight I would say I think they (laughs) I don't think the character actually exists anymore so well they probably just thought well we didn't get Neve, so we'll just cut it out you know exactly (laughs) that's what I overheard anyway (laughs) I was like they were like we can't put her in this role she is excellent yeah I mean it's not not the first time I've heard that so that gives me <laughs> you, meeting emma, <laughs> you meeting emma is a perf- perfect segue for me to now chat to emma and um, so emma you have a background in casting alongside writing directing and producing uh you're a bit of a one you're all a bit of a one-stop shop uh which is pretty great uh triple and quadruple threats uh like us women have to be um so yeah chad tell me about your journey how um you got into casting first off and then uh, how you've uh, grown into all of your other roles Casting happened, uh, well, I was in college and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I went on my J1, came back to Ireland and I was like, uh, and it was the height of the recession. And I and Joe and a few of our other mates had moved to London. So I kind of arrived back and I was like, hmm. And that was always a plan in my mind. So I started working as an assistant in an agency first because I was like, oh, that kind of works um, as an idea. And as I was doing that, I found that the casting side was way more interesting. I wanted to be on the other side. Um, and I wanted to be the one in the auditions and um, so basically um, I then moved to London and I had a couple of contacts and I emailed them and I think it was the day I landed I was like oh look I'll email this casting director and see what she says and she emailed back and she was like oh come in tomorrow so I was like oh right literally just landed so I went in the next day and I had to get my mate Maeve who moved with me to to come into town with me because I'd never really been in London I just moved there and um we went in and Maeve walked me up to the door and um, I went in for the interview. It lasted about five minutes. And then I went back down to Maeve and I said, you have to go home. I'm starting work right now. So then I went in and that was with, that was in Hubbard's. And I went in and um, it was a baptism of fire. I had no idea what I was doing. It was insane. 
Um, I it- need to see a short film of baby Emma going into the hovers <laughs> and just coming out being like fist pump into the air. <laughs> yeah. And it was mad because it was my first experience of like, you know, proper kind of career kind of job. And I was going to be freelance and I was being paid whatever amount of pounds a day. And I was just like, this is insane. Like, you just, I was like, oh my God, big time. But I had no idea really, like at that point, like I loved actors. I've always loved drama. I was, you know, always putting on plays myself. I was in like stage school. So I've loved, I loved all of that and characters and being quite, always been quite bowled over by people performing. So I always loved that, but I didn't actually have a big knowledge of um, TV shows or what were brilliant films or what were really successful TV shows. So I had to kind of um, get all of that together very quickly, you know, watching everyone's CVs and actors come in, go and research them first. So I knew who I was talking to and it was just this amazing vast pool. So I was there for two and a half years and it was incredible. And I worked on some great projects and then um, made the move home and at home then I ended up working for Amy Rowan who was just wonderful and I stayed with her for I think about three years and then um, and then basically what was happening the whole time is I knew I wanted to write my own stuff I knew that I wanted to make my own stuff I just wasn't sure what that was I wasn't really sure how to do it if I should do it you're kind of looking for the confidence as well because you when you start in those roles, you kind of look around and you see producers and directors and you end up in a room with amazing people. And you slightly think to yourself, I could never be this amazing at it. And you, you so you don't know where to start at that kind of age. So I think it took me a while to kind of sit in and go, no, you know what you want, but you have to kind of mature, I think. Well, for me, I had to just grow up a little bit and do different things and not be so serious about what I want and just do the really cool jobs. Um, so then I just got to a point then when I kind of, I'd met the girls and I was thinking that way of making our own stuff and loads of conversations about making our own stuff. And then um, and then I just got to the point where I was reading other people's scripts. I was reading other people's scripts and wishing it was mine and I'm wishing that we were casting my stuff. And um, so that's how kind of writing happened. And then basically the same as the other two said, when the three of us came together, that's when the jump came. I had an idea for a script. It was the first script I'd written properly in you know script format with script software and it was like very official and it was something new and it was that was the moment that I also took the leap and was like oh I'm a writer um so that's how it kind of happened like I think that moment we all shared that that kind of was the moment that we all kind of sat in this kind of this is what I do and this is what I'm going to try to do and this is what I want and it was very safe it was a really safe way to to go about it and um, yeah, so that kind of that's how I got to to the writing part. I just got sick of reading other people's either brilliant or terrible scripts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think I think you're so right in that sense that you know you have to be ready as well to write. And mm. you know, um, I, I've only started writing now, but like in my head for ages, I was like, oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that, but I really wasn't ready. I didn't. I didn't really have anything to say. Um, and sometimes it is when you're reading other people's or or sometimes you watch other things and you're like, I can do that. Like I can definitely I can write that or 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 now I have this thing to say or because I've been through this or I've worked through this or whatever. So, yeah, I think there's definitely a time. Um, and mm. once you arrive at it, then it's it, it, it feels right. So that's yeah. really cool. And it's so great that you you guys have found each other. So. Since Alfonso Films have been together, so you've been together since 2016. Um, so you've made oh. three award-winning short films. Um, that's it, They've won loads of awards and they've traveled to loads of different film festivals around the world. Um, so to start with, uh, you your debut short film was spent, as you said, in 2016. And that won Best Short in the WIFT Ireland's Members Showcase. And then we had Her Name Is in 2017. Um, and that was nominated, nominated for Best Cinematography, Best Director, and Best Actress. And we also had that in our festival in Regent Street Cinema. I remember seeing it. It's such a beautiful, beautiful film. And then another film of yours that we had in our most recent festival was Pat, starring one of our patrons, Mo Dumford, um, which won Best Short at the Chicago Film Festival in 2020. And it's traveled from festival to festival, but I leave it, I believe it's still traveling. It's still, it's still on the go. People are still getting to see it. So tell us about uh, Pat, where, where, where is it at at the moment? 
Uh, Pat is always, Pat kind of goes away and suddenly gets a new life. Like it, it um, <laughs> thanks to you guys, thanks to Irish Film London, that we are going, we're the enter, part of the entertainment on Aer Lingus for transatlantic flights now, which is so exciting. Um, and then, yeah, because a couple of festivals last year would have been cancelled because of COVID that they've they've fallen into this year, um, which is great. So it's still going to do, I think, is it Joe, a few festivals this year? We At this point, we can't keep track of... of yeah, of Pat just keeps wearing up like, hey, stop Pat, can we have it? We're like, yeah, have it. <laughs> Go on, have it. Um, so yeah, I think it's just doing its own life. This is where it gets really tricky as well, because some people have it and then you're like, can other people have it? And, uh, you know few people are interested in putting it on libraries and stuff now, which is exciting so that people can keep seeing it. I mean, I think we're all about just like, yeah, lash it up, have it. You know? <laughs> this might lead to a spoiler alert, um, but I thought this was really funny. We got an email in regards to Pat today and the sign off was, I'm, I'm really glad to see Pat still has life in her yet. <laughs> <laughs> you like meaning it like it's still going around doing festivals and all but like if you've seen the film you'll know what I mean and I was just like, oh. <laughs> is that from Toronto no it was from your man earlier from Cork Cork yeah cool amazing that's so great that it's still but also you know now it's brilliant to still have your work kind of floating around when when uh, when you've had to kind of when work has kind of come to a halt. Yeah, especially when mm. we don't we don't we don't have anything to that Pat's still doing the rounds. And it's really nice. I think Emma's got a few emails recently from people who were like, Hey, I just I saw your film and I just want to say I just thought it was beautiful. Like there was a guy who wrote like the most beautiful letter is the way you describe it, wouldn't you? Like about how much it meant to him. And we get messages on Instagram and stuff about the films in general, but because Pat's still doing the rounds, I think people are still like, wow, I'm so moved by that and want to get in touch, which is so nice. And so relatable. And I think especially with so many people abroad and just not being, whatever about not being able to come home anyway, but then especially with this year, uh, mm. definitely super relatable and really touching. It's lovely. And mm. some gorgeous performances. It looked like a lot of fun to make. What was the process of making it? Like, where did you shoot it? We shot uh, two days. Well, two, it was meant two days it ended up three in Dingle because and then we did one in Dublin for the New York scenes but we um we shot it in Dingle in the middle of Storm Callum and we did not um we did not take that into account when we were in production we did not know it was coming and I think we probably found out a good like literally on the way to Dingle driving down that there was a huge storm on the way so we ended up having to do a whole extra day um but it was the whole experience of Pat like we had a, a great time like a really good time we had a great team we built the team um basically out of our mates in the industry people we worked for with before um so when we were over there it was a real it was just a really good gang a really solid team we worked through everything together for the three of us I suppose at the head of the ship and it was it was mad it was really hard like with the storm and stuff like joe was over and back over the connor pass saving us and like there was loads there was loads and then claire shot it so um which was great so we were able to really i suppose we did a lot of thinking on our feet and because we knew each other so well it made it a lot easier to to get each other through it and then thus kind of get the gang through it but overall it was great it was a tough shoot though because of the giant storm in the middle but um it was great fun. Like we had a great support between the three of us and then the people we got in, the crew who were so good. Like they were right there with us, which was just amazing. I would yeah. say as well, oh, sorry. No, no, go on ahead, Joe. No, I was just that when you were speaking there, I was just thinking about the whole process. Like we'd obviously had the two films. Like it's funny how everything leads to another thing. We'd done two films. And then I think Pat was an exceptional short that we made because we were able to go forward for the funding with Bumble and were awarded essentially 23,000 to make a film and to make a script that I don't know how it would have been made otherwise. Hopefully it would have gotten something else, but to be given that funding and then to be able to kind of go like, oh my God, wow, we can put it into this budget and we can have an art department budget and we can have an okay, we can go to this location and we can pay people and give, you know, 
give them a shot to kind of step up into a role or do something. I mean, I worked with a girl called Molly and she came on as a first AD, having only been a trainee AD. And she like managed the shoot like a boss. It was really female heavy. Claire shot it like amazingly, had a great team. We had Dave Fannin who had worked with us on sound before. Delighted to come down and give us his time. Just like Trevor on camera and um, female heavy. Then we had Elizabeth um, Hopper who came over from the UK and like flew into Dingle and like, came to support us and we have this amazing photograph of just like all the girls smiling from ear to ear. Karen, sorry, Karen, who came over the Connor Pass with me like a thousand times, like busting, busting over the Connor Pass with like all kinds of crap in the back. Like, Karen, we need to spell the Hennessy. She's like, oh Christ, like flying over the Connor Pass. And like the, the, I look at that picture all the time and I'm like, oh my God, it just brings, you know, like a picture. It's a thousand emotions. I'm like, we we nailed it. We were tired, but we were so happy. Ro Rosalie was amazing. The actors are amazing. It's just such a, there was just so much support, I think. No, you and could definitely feel the joy. Like you really, really could feel it. I cannot get over the storm because some of the shots, like the weather looked beautiful. So you absolutely blagged that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. But it um, it really is. And yeah, it's such a joy to, with your, it's amazing that you got that funding because it's such a joy to be able to pay people mm -hmm. and to really just feel like a professional shoot, you know, because you do, you mm -hmm. have to work to that, towards that. So after, after her name is did you feel that kind of confidence boost then with like the, the traction that that got to really kind of just keep pushing the boundaries for for Alfonso films yeah I think it was the script as well though like when Emma wrote that script it was like really obvious that it was like in a in a shape that was just like do like it was it needed to be made do you know what I mean like I think it was a good lesson for us because we were like, oh, this is a, this is a film. Like it was a script. We were like, this is a short film. Like it's it is exactly how it's supposed to be. And like it got that's why it got the Bumble funding. But it was shortlisted for focus shorts as well. So like it could, you know, had we gone down that route, might have might have gone into that. But um, it was it was just such a really, really good script. And it was probably a really good lesson for us to learn, like what a what a really tight script feels like, mm. you know, so um but then yeah obviously getting the money and everything was just so exciting it was just class amazing no well it is it's such a it's such a gem of a short film um so of course the classic question that everyone is going to be asked um in the next while is how have you guys found the last year um kind of creatively um and yeah just kind of dealing with kind of our industry coming to a bit of a halt and um, how have you kind of kept creative and sane really yeah I think for for Alfonso you know we didn't we didn't make anything in in 2020 and we, we very much down tools and you know we all work whatever jobs for bread and butter but like creatively last year like even though through all of the 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 horror happening um I found it great in terms of getting stuff off the ground in terms of writing. Like I had that bit more of time. I was more relaxed, um, you know, to, to get ideas off the ground. And I've, I wrote a lot of stuff last year or got stuff into a shape or just got my ideas sorted. And so that I kind of have a map for this year of what I want to write and, and tackle next. Um, so in, in that sense, it's, it's been great to take that kind of break from the, from the real world and, and have that organization and and it was great i found this year now when once we went into 2021 i found it harder i found that i was getting a bit exhausted by the idea of because i've been writing my first feature through the film board spotlight fund last year and this year and i'm about to hand it in but i found that just once we went into january i was just like oh this is hard and i can't be any more creative and i don't have anything else to give like i was on a call with girls last week and i was just like oh i just don't have it so I've taken a good break this week which has been great and I think that's the key that you to step back and to know when to do that I probably burnt myself and pushed myself too much but I think to take that step back which I think a lot of people are realizing but I I still work with actors and stuff so to see that side of things has been quite devastating and see theaters gone and people needing money and and jobs and actors you know their creativity is to perform so to people have that taken away is quite it's quite hard to watch and stuff but in I suppose in my sense to to have that year to just put the head down and really make a plan and not worry about the world and having to go here there and everywhere or you know things interrupting you 
it was nice for me. Now I'm getting a bit like, oh, get me out. Let's. I need life back now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're we're we, we've done it now. We're finished. We're ready to. We're ready to go now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Joe, what about you? Uh, yeah, I have to say, yeah, the pandemic, the year has been one of the busiest years I've had working in the industry, which is so weird. I mean, I was on two big jobs, so they kind of, I start. I was supposed to start the film in March and then it got halted, but then came back and finished it in, um, God, I can't even remember the months now, but it's like, well, I think we came back in August and we finished it in October and then I started another job and that took me up to Christmas and then there was a break and now I'm back, I'm on this job and I'm away with that job now. So, I mean, the year, like in work was really busy. And then um, I started the diploma in, produ- in advanced producing. So I'm doing that as well. And then I, yeah, and actually creatively good, in a good way, I wrote two short films, which I hope to do something with. Yeah, which will be nice. Um, so it's been a good year, but then difficult in the same way that Emma said, because I haven't wanted to share any of that or felt kind of strange about it because it's been so unsure for people. And it's been, it's been in my bubble, in my life, it's felt like it's continued on as normal and I feel really lucky. But I can imagine that, and you know, the feeling that it hasn't been for many people and it feels kind of strange. It even feels strange to write stories about stuff that doesn't involve COVID. Because you're like, can we talk about that again? Am I ever going to talk about other struggles in life? It doesn't seem like anything is um, harder or more relevant than that. So it's hard to write about stuff because it feels like you're writing about a different world. It's like, oh yeah, did that happen? You know, so that's a strange thing. And um, yeah, and I, I just hope that we do get sorted and we can kind of, I think we'll come back with a new vigor, which will be great. Everybody will be ready mm-hmm. to go because even when I was working on that film last year, the last year, everyone left in March, was really unsure. And then when they came back in August, I mean, everybody was just delighted. Everybody wanted to do everything. It was like a whole new set. It was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll get that for you. No problem. Absolutely. Everyone was just like, supposed to be at work. It was just like, usually when you'd ask us, can I get a chair? We don't have any chairs. And then this was like, yep, give me four chairs. Happy. I'm delighted to be here. There you go. Like Everybody was so happy and everybody left that job going, oh my God, that was the best job ever. I was like, I think it's just because we were actually working and we appreciated our work so much more. And I tell you, I just can't wait to do stuff with these girls again. It's just so exciting to kind of put a slate together and be like oh my god what are we going to do when we get released so definitely but that's so that's really satisfying to hear that that you were busy and that's 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 really a lovely thing to hear that you know it's still going on it's still happening it's still possible um just on a different scale are heavier than the production teams often so that's also it's a thing is if your budget can afford it and it can get through during a pandemic I'm lucky I'm so lucky I'm working on big jobs that can afford it but I'm aware that the smaller jobs it's a huge cost and it's a huge worry and you really have to like rally people around and get people to to be very you know careful and restrict their movement I've had to restrict my movements a lot and restrict my life and but it's not possible on smaller jobs so you know the COVID team on my last job was 25 people and I think the production was less than that so it's really really it takes a lot of coordinating so that's Really and is the atmosphere on set obviously without regard like it definitely would be different but is it just do you feel like it's hard is it harder to relax and and is it kind of is everyone a little bit on edge or is everyone just like okay no I know what I have to do and you know just kind of kind of oh, put the head down yeah it's really uniform everybody behaves themselves masks are on social distance happen. everybody's just grateful to be there and I don't I think any moaning that was happening or any kind of like oh was stamped out immediately because it was like guys we're working we get to do what we still want to do in the industry like we're so lucky and that's everybody behaves themselves get tested everybody's just like hoping that nothing will because you know if one person if one key person goes down like a cast member or you know the whole thing so everybody's very good and very diligent and works with the COVID team to try and get it done because grateful do you know what I mean but the atmosphere on set is just a little bit more subdued because you, you're not like as sloppy with each other and kind of like you know you're not in each other's space as much as you would before you can't hop into the car with somebody now because you have to have a designated you know you have to have a designated person who can travel with you so it's all very mm. like robotic sometimes but still overarching very very grateful to be doing it and absolutely it's brilliant it gives a little, little bit of hope it's lovely mm. um and Claire what about you how have you found the last year yeah, like I think um, just had to sort of like switch modes, I, I suppose, a little bit because um, I guess as like an emerging director, all, all you know, all my kind of 
chances would have been those smaller productions that have just been completely flattened. So, um, but it, in a way, like it, it's kind of nice timing because I always wanted, I, I was traveling for a few months before lockdown came in. So I came home um, with always a kind of a mindset of like wanting to, to begin the step up from shorts to features and, and try and figure that out and just sort of like go back to learning lots of stuff. And um, so in a weird way, like the first lockdown was, was weirdly like satisfying for me because I, I like Emma, I got loads of ideas off the ground, got them into development and, um, and was just trying to like learn and soak up as much as I could and did every webinar under the sun and applied for every bit of development funding or whatever it was going like. And so in, in that sense, like the first few months was was actually brilliant. It was it was really nice just to focus in on that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, it's getting a bit old now, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully like it's the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, because I'd love to just get back shooting stuff. Definitely. And I think it's so true what you say, like it's 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 a bit weird to say it, but with the first lockdown, it was it was a bit gas, like like <laughs> like it was a bit of crack, you know, it was a bit like this is mad, isn't it? And then the second one, yeah, the second one, it was still kind of during the summer and the weather was good and, you know, whatever. And now this one is just like, oh, lads. <laughs> yeah. I'm finished with it now. Come on. I had I had my first like delay. So I had like a shoot set up and I had that delayed. And I was like, right, that's my first one now. So I'm I'm lo- like, I'm lucky. <laughs> I know a lot of people's projects have been kicked down the road for like nearly a year. You know what I mean? So um, so in that sense, yeah, I was I was on the right, I'm on the right end of some projects which is nice brilliant that's so great to hear and can I ask as a all-female company do you find pressure to tell female stories or is it just like it just so happened that you're all female as opposed to you know the way some people don't want that flag you know and, and don't necessarily want that that kind of pressure um, or do you guys feel like that's that's kind of one of Alfonso's goals and uh, yeah not, speak, not speaking for Joe and Emma here but like I just prefer female stories <laughs> I'm just drawn to them more and I think there's still more like I think there's still more to be unearthed that we haven't seen do you know what I mean I think there's like I'm even um, I'm working on a project with Tracy Martin who wrote Sister This at the moment and she's writing these characters that I'm so buzzed about because I haven't seen them on, on in films before like maybe in television because that, that's been a whole kind of you know golden age for characters on on TV and stuff but in film like there's these female characters that I still can't say I've seen yet so I think there's still kind of more to be done there so personally I, I'm always going to be drawn towards that, I think. Don't know about you guys. Yeah, I mean, I think towards like with my writing and stuff and what I bring to table, like the stories are female focused. It's just the, the way I write. It's it's what I know. Um, I think like if we got a crack in the script off, off, off a guy and it was deadly and it was a great, it's something that we really wanted to make, then we would absolutely probably, probably do it. But in terms of, I think naturally I've just been writing female stories because that's, the stories uh, I'm into I suppose and and they're feel most natural data characters I want to tell and kind of you know all these women you meet through life and stuff and obviously being one myself and um, you want to you want to amplify that and you know we've seen a lot of a lot of a lot of men in all these different roles so it's exciting sometimes to, to bring women and push that forward and and have you know you know, a female at the at the center of your normal detective crime dramas, and you know, and that people are doing really well at that at the moment. And I think that's kind of more exciting. Like you go and you watch something like Happy Valley, and you're like, oh, and it's amazing. But usually, you know, a few years ago, that you know, a, a man would have played Sarah Lancashire's role, and then you see her do it, and it's the same. It is the same feeling. It is the same emotion, and she's not coming out of the park. And it's and it wouldn't, but it wouldn't be the same production without her doing it. So, I think. Yeah, I think we definitely naturally lean towards the the female thing, but I and I think I would say that most of our stuff will be female led anyway because we're excited by that. Well, I think it's interesting because actually I've just remembered and you'll remember it when Emma wrote Pat. It was originally Pat was a man, and <laughs> she was asked by somebody to consider Pat as a woman, 
And I remember Emma was like, I don't know. And actually it was a really good lesson and it's something that uh, stuck with me as well because Emma was like, and I understand that like weird feeling where you're like, even when I write, I tend to write and think about a man doing something. And when I write women, I don't write them as honestly as I know how, because I'm like, well, I don't really know how to, because women to me are so different, would be so difficult. Whereas I've seen a man do it on screen. So I'm like, I know he does this, but it's, I have to challenge myself. Mm -hmm to write for a woman even though I am a woman because I don't know how and then I think if that ties in more Claire said because if you can't think of it then it's so exciting because it's like women can be all kinds of dangerous and weird and creepy and funny and loads and loads of things that they haven't been properly given access to on screen so the challenge there when Emma had to change Pat she genuinely was like I don't know it's a man like it's a man and now Pat is not a man and could never be a man. Like could never be a man. But we had a genuine conversation where, where she was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I don't know if it is. It is a man. It's supposed to be a man. And now it would be a totally not. different feeling, wouldn't it? It just wouldn't totally. be like soft. And time, it was a man. And we had to genuinely talk about that for a while. And you had to really think about and challenge yourself as to how you would do it. And now once that's happened, you're like, oh yeah. Like I wrote something recently. It was from a man's perspective. And I was like, this is not about a man's perspective. The story is about a woman's journey, but I could not turn it into the woman's journey because I just didn't know how to speak for her. So it's taken me a lot longer to be able to do it. And sometimes when I write, I know I'm being, I'm, I'm kind of like faking. And so, cause it's harder to write something more truthful. It's so interesting. It's so true as well. I remember um, most recently, obviously um, one, of, one of my first binging of uh, lockdown was, I may destroy you and mm -hmm. it was just you know this couldn't this wouldn't have been told until now this couldn't have been told until now and you know it could only have been this woman and this the way it, this was executed it was just you know and and that I remember feeling just so like nearly ill through a a lot of the episodes and to invoke that kind of feeling that we've all felt at some point in our lives, but to invoke that feeling through like a TV show or, you know, something like that, I just kind of thought like, oh, finally, you know, hopefully other people or men or whatever feel, get get it. Hopefully they get it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I definitely remember feeling that. And that's so interesting that you do really have to push yourself because you're just so used to thinking in the way of you know whatever films or tv shows that we usually see which is usually through a man's perspective um but it's great that there are things kind of breaking out now like i may destroy you and even fleabag like you couldn't imagine fleabag as a guy you'd be like next boring seen it done it i hate susie yeah billy piper yes also, yeah exactly well, yeah just more of these how did they write that how did they actually go there god like me and emma were living together at the time and i made a story and she was a bit ahead of me and i was just like first into her room like jesus yeah. like, oh my god it's so good and like so good. Nicole, i was only thinking about her and it's not like she disappeared but she was off cooking up i may destroy you like what hats off sly dog so <laughs> and then you watch it and you're like oh damn what are we going to say next and you're like but well, there has to be something like there's loads of things but your mind can't come to it straight away can it exactly. you know you're like, women are like women's stories i think like i said are just so could be and can will be exactly and even like with, with sister this um mm -hmm. i think i think we actually don't see a lot of sister relationships and if we do it's kind of just the you know the kind of stealing the clothes and you know whatever big sister little sister kind of thing so with sister this I really felt like that you know the younger sister having to step up and that pressure and on both ends the pressure on both of them to kind of be the good big sister you know and that was really that was a really interesting dynamic and so because obviously they're, they're not with each other did were they two uh, completely days of, of a shoot or yeah, they were completely separate. Joe was Joe was actually the other voice on the phone. Um, <laughs> we had like we shot with um, we shot with J uh, Charlie first. Um, everything was done at night, so we shot with we shot with Charlie first over two nights. Um, and Joe was on the other end of the phone, being Jordan's character. And then we shot with um, with Jordan. Then the, the next the, the next two following nights. So yeah, they it was. 
that's the one thing that I think worked really well, despite them not being together. And they only rehearsed like once together. And um, so they it was amazing that they feel connected. So in, connected. They were very much like kept separate. Uh, that's amazing. That's yeah, no, they, I d- would not have thought I genuinely thought they're on the other end of the phone to each other. So that's a nice little nugget. Yeah. Um, do go and check out the film on Irish film from home. Um, oh. But yeah, it's it's been it's been so great talking to you guys. So, I mean, it's such a tough question because, as you said, it's so hard to plan anything uh, other than your grocery shop uh, for the next while. But do what's kind of roughly in uh, in the future for Alfonso what's what's the future plans so so our bit are we we've sort of like gravitated back towards each other in the last few weeks or months I suppose and we're we're um plotting our first feature together so it's like bubbling up and being very exciting and um yeah Amazing. It's, only, it's only a seedling but it's like I think it's going to be really great if anybody's listening and would like yeah. to give us, I'm joking. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a very slim budget, but it's a very exciting story, which Emma's currently chopping her way through when she's finished doing all her other projects, you know, of course. And yeah. I don't know how she finds the time to like, we're like, Emma, and she's like, bang, there you go. Check that out. It's like, bang. And then Claire goes off and makes the lookbook. And it's like amazing both of us can do with like an idea when we get together. But yeah, so if you have money, um, that is that's a top class producer right there taking yeah. advantage getting the name out there if anyone is interested and wants to fund these ladies get on to alfonso films or irish <laughs> film london and we can hook you up uh, these very talented ladies made it can be made extremely covid safely because it's not it's not about covid but it was very much born out of covid like there's three characters there's one location this is doable yes we're putting it out there Claire said it's a it's like it's there's two females and my god like (laughs) it's well it's it's so exciting because every time we talk about it we're like what about this what about this and oh my god and it could go a million ways twists and turns it's a thriller I'm I sound like a producer now where I'm like but seriously though it's interesting to see how it could be made and how where we're going to get the funding and hopefully when we talk about it now hopefully in a year's time will be in pre-production or have you know got something made but that's the plan and I think it's so exciting to work towards a future together and especially this one and um, yeah that's the I'm plan. so excited for you guys well hopefully we can cut back to this little nugget in uh, in a year or a bit and be like you heard it here first guys um well thank you so much for talking to me guys so from um me and all the team at Irish Film London we wish you the best with all your future pro- projects and um, keep doing it for the gals and uh, and we can't wait to see what comes next thank you we thank love you guys so at Film London thanks for thank us. you so much Neve. thanks guys bye And that's it for this week's episode of the Irish Film London podcast. Thanks to the Alfonso ladies for giving us their time to come on and chat to us. And of course, thank you for tuning in. I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to see what the girls produce next. If you've enjoyed this episode, there's more to come, especially with our St. Patrick's Day Festival on the horizon. So remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and check out irishfilmfromhome.com. And don't forget to follow us on our social media channels. Simply search for Irish Film London on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. A final thank you to the Irish Emigrant Support Programme, who've been a wonderful supporter of ours for a number of years, providing encouragement and vital support when we've needed it. Gurmila Mahagut. The Irish Film London podcast is presented and produced by me, Neve Brannigan. We're mixed and edited by Own Bill Cliff, And our theme music is by Kevin MacLeod. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and we'll see you again very soon. Mm